Hi Sam, welcome to the Pickleball Addiction Podcast. Thank you Mark, pleasure to be here. Yeah. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing good, doing good. Uh, really excited to chat, I think there's you know, loads of stuff going on in Pickleball at the moment um, and super excited to be, to be part of some of it, seeing other things, so yeah, just super excited. So we're meeting, meeting in Basingstoke today, or I used to live near here, we call it Amazing Stoke, so. <laughs> <laughs> or Basing Stink, I think is the other one. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah you're, in, you're down in Epsom at the moment, so, and I'm down Bournemouth Way, so Basing Stoke was the mid-ground. The halfway. Yeah. Halfway house. Yeah, but it's not a bad spot, in a co-working space here, so uh, to record this. Um, yeah, so where should we start? I mean, I guess it'd be really good to hear a little bit more from you, for people who don't know you. I mean, you've been around... Pickleball for as long as Pickleball's been around pretty much in the UK, right? Um, but it'd be good to, yeah, for you to take it from the beginning and tell us about, you know, how you first found out about Pickleball and what got you started. Yeah, so um, it, people always expect this to be like a really interesting story about how I got into Pickleball <laughs> and it's exactly the same as everyone else, right? I sort of just fell into it um, by accident. My cousin and still doubles partner, Peter Hitchman, um, went along one week to a, a pickleball session he was invited and he came back home and he sort of went Samuel you've and he calls me Samuel when it's important right <laughs> he was like Samuel you've you've got to come and try this um, so you know we as a family we're all quite sporty so I, I played tennis recreationally um, and table tennis a little bit more competitively to a higher level um, and football not very well but I tried um, and yeah I, I sort of you know went along with zero expectation um, walked into a room full of retirees as you know <laughs> you know especially seven years ago it, it was it was the case um, and got ran off the court basically by you know 50 60 70 80 year olds and wasn't particularly happy about it <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i started going a bit more frequently that was back in september 2016 so i'm coming up to my seven year anniversary mm -hmm. of playing pickleball which is pretty cool uh, and yeah and then things just sort of escalated from there really so at, at that point people are really surprised to hear this there are about 10 places to play in the country and it just happened that one of them was half an hour away down the road um so yeah started playing there um that was about a half an hour journey every time which was fine um so played there for a, a year or so and then sort of things started to develop from there great yeah so how many people were at the at that club when you first started probably in total probably about 20 mm -hmm. i'd say um it was a bit different because obviously people traveled further to play pickleball because they didn't have the options closer right so um some of the clubs now you know i've got hundreds of members some of them still are just operating on 10 or 12 mm -hmm. um 
unfortunately that session or that club you know that I started at no longer exists but um it was a great starting point for me you know I was taught really well how to play pickleball um you know the, the sort of traditional way third shot drops lots of dinking mm. um and that set me up really well in terms of you know how I play and then all the other things that I've gone on to do as well mm. that's interesting so how you know I'm relatively new to pickleball you know this year really still so um but I did wonder a kind of yeah, if five, six, seven, eight years ago, whether those even like a, a drop was a strategy that was employed, you know, then. But I mean, how, I mean, I guess it wasn't, still wasn't. I mean, it definitely isn't the size it is now in the states, right? I mean, so how did? Do you have any idea the person that was te- tutoring you or teaching you? How did they learn their stuff uh, about playing the game? So most people then or back then were were either self-taught or majority of them had been in the States at some point and mm. learned from someone else, which is a lot of the time how people get into pickleball is they've, they've been in Florida or they've been in California and they see pickleball and they try pickleball and then they love it and they bring it back. Um, but, you know, there wasn't any coach education systems in play you know there was there was nothing other than people who enjoyed playing pickleball and and just wanted to play pickleball in England Mm -hmm. so you know equipment was a struggle um, venues were a struggle and they still are right but think then about seven years ago how difficult it was to justify Mm -hmm. pickleball to a to a venue Um, it still is now but it was even more difficult before um so the you know there were there were lots of challenges associated with it but in in a way I, I wouldn't have it any other way because I, I think it it taught me you know, and I I really like the way it taught me to to play pickleball and um how it sort of set me up for for playing and and then you know hopefully a career yeah in pickleball yeah so, so how did it evolve from there? So you were, you spent a few years there before anything else happened for you within Pickleball? Yeah, so that was in 2016. And then probably the first proper development was a, a couple of years later. Um, played a couple of tournaments by that point in and around Europe. And we decided to go to the Italian Open in 2018, which was um, paired with the the Bainbridge Cup, which, for those of you who don't know, most new players aren't familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, It was sort of like a fun tournament, a bit like the Ryder Cup of Pickleball. So there was a Team Europe, whoever, you know, whoever wanted to be on Team Europe could be on Team Europe. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a Team USA. Um, basically they you know you represented Europe you played a few games um, against some Americans and it was this big you know team event so we were in Italy and I'd been thinking you know the UK hadn't really had a a proper tournament up until then that there'd been a couple of sort of smaller ones and unofficial ones um 
And at the same time, uh, Karen Mitchell, who now runs Pickleball England and is a you know fantastic advocate of pickleball, was, in her words, being pressured to, to start Pickleball England. Yeah. Um, so I had a bit of a chat with her in Italy and said, you know, I think... I think there should be a, a tournament in England and you know um why why couldn't it be you know me and you I was 18 or 19 at that point and as much as I was enthusiastic about pickleball I didn't have any experience in event management or mm-hmm. anything to do with that yeah. um and Karen I knew her from when I first started playing pickleball and, and she's got a lot of exper- business experience and, um, you know, a, a wealth of knowledge. So I sort of picked her out as a good person to target. Mm-hmm. Um, and it coincided nicely with the fact she was setting up Pickleball England at that point as well. So we sort of committed to do an English Open in 2019. Um it was a much bigger task than we thought it was going to be, especially doing the first one. But mm-hmm. first one is always, I say first one's always the hardest. The latest one was pretty hard as well. But, <laughs> um, you know, there was a lot of work to do. And so it, it took us a year to to plan it out and sort of execute it. Um, and at the same time, you know, I sort of went to Karen with an idea of the English Open and she reciprocated that by suggesting that I put my name forward to be the the West Midlands regional director mm-hmm. for Pickleball England. Um, so those two things sort of happened at the same time. And then Pickleball England launched formally in January 2019. So um, sort of been on that journey from mid-2018 in terms of tournament planning and and helping out in the West Midlands where I can. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, so... So, yeah, that's, that's good, like, background, I think. Like, so what is, what is the... the what, is it, what is it that you're working on at the moment? Like, what's... what's Ooh, lots Sam's of things. doing now? So... Um, First and foremost, um, I started my own business in towards the end of last year to essentially provide greater access to to coaching, um, to coach education, and to events across the UK. Mm-hmm. Because at at that point, the events calendar was quite um, ad hoc. You know, people were. People going, I'll put on an event, and other people were going, I'll put on an event, and it sort of happened to be on the same day. You know, yeah. it was a bit mismatched. Yeah. So um, I sort of said, you know, what's the harm in in trying to put together a calendar, a rough calendar of events, um, mostly festivals? Mm-hmm. It's ended up being because the, the demand for festivals is is so high. So. Yeah, I I thought you know what I'll give I'll give it a go. Um, I graduated from university last July. I worked a little bit of corporate for a few months and wasn't really enjoying it. I felt the need to 
to not be too restricted and be able to you know determine my work and where I was and how much of it I was doing and to do something different every day um which so far I'm really really enjoying like more than I thought I would Mm. so yeah so so far this year coaching has gone mad like there is there are so many clubs out there who have either asked for coaching or I've been to do some coaching and you know I'm I'm sure there's lots more who haven't necessarily thought about it but you know it might be a good thing for them to do because what what we're seeing is such big growth at the moment Mm -hmm. that there's loads of people coming into pickleball and they're you know they're learning the basics really well and that's partly down to the pickleball leaders course from the yeah from pickleball england that's done a great job yeah but following that i think most players find they love playing pickleball right you you sort of get the honeymoon period of pickleball and it's a lot longer than than other sports Mm -hmm. and then you sort of find almost you start to to plateau a little bit and there's lots of informational and educational content you know out on youtube but sometimes it it takes that you know in-person element to to explain it in three different ways so that you know you you can get to grips with it so yeah there's been a, a huge demand for for coaching so i've tried to support that yeah as much as i can um and that seems to be going really well the the feedback so far is positive yeah so hopefully continue doing a bit of that um well with the game growing so much i can't see any reason like why not i mean i can just say for sure that um you know we have a level one coach our club uh moved down he's running mead was actually he's, he's a local club for a while we moved down about the same time as me, I moved down in November. He he moved a similar sort of time, so he, we joined the the, the the club that we're at Downton for a, around the similar sort of time. It's taken a while because it's very much a social kind of club that people are not really aware of. They don't go to festivals; they're not really aware of the tournaments. But like I said to you before, they, uh, they didn't know of the English Open that existed, um, and um, are not. Like improving at the game isn't their number one priority. Like it is just, I'm, I'm just there to meet people and talk to people. And it is a lot of older generation. I was the youngest one there for a while. There's now there are some younger ones coming in, which is, I think is just again showing like the interest and that growth for sure. in the game. But there is a level one coach at our club, and the difference it's made just for through enjoyment of the game, having just some basic the basics because what we would you know, you find is that people just just went just just simply standing in the right position. Where you know, instead of just standing at the back of the court all the time, um, and actually coming forward makes such a difference to how much you can enjoy the game and get out of them. Even um, as someone that maybe is a higher skill level, for sure, um, it, and it makes a big difference. And then suddenly it becomes the dinking game becomes because a lot of people are just whacking the ball from the back of the court a lot mm-hmm. and that's it and that's it mm-hmm. and people are enjoying it more it actually starts to feel like pickleball then um suddenly becomes a lot more tactical yeah doesn't it when when because i think the main thing that you know people don't quite get is is the reason or the purpose behind the shot mm-hmm. right because 
most people will have experienced someone telling them to dink. Yeah. Right? They're like, you know, this is pickleball. In pickleball, we dink and we outmaneuver our opponents. But if you've not got, you know, the reason as to why a dink works, then it's a lot more difficult to program in your head mm-hmm. to do it because, you know, it, it's human nature to resort back to a shot that you know works yeah. and that you've done in a previous lifetime in tennis or badminton or squash or any other sport. Um, so it's that's what I'm finding now is we're, we're having to prescribe, you know, the, the purpose behind a shot a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that makes an even bigger difference to people when they're learning it and then they implement it. They can, they see the rewards of it and then they can understand why they got the reward yeah. as it's, well. It's funny you should say that because I, I mentioned that to the coach. We saw, I, think, I think we need to explain why, why, why a third shot drop, why, why a reset? Like, it seems, I guess when you've looked, you've watched the sport on the television, which a lot of people that are at our club haven't, and you've heard the commentary, you kind of get it, and it makes sense, right? And you, you want to do a reset or something like that. But actually, for some other people, it's, like, it's not obvious. And actually, really, you're right. That, that was something that became really clear to me, that people need to know why they're doing this. And we, we were talking off before we started recording a little earlier, and... When people are standing in, this is what I found personally, and I guess it kind of changes depending on your level and stuff. But driving at people that are just standing at the kitchen is actually even for people that are um, not a higher skill level. If they're standing there, actually, it's quite easy just to bat back someone's drive from a ball. So suddenly, it becomes much more obvious why mm-hmm. a soft game might be a better approach because <laughs> when people are standing in the right place, it becomes challenging to yeah. just try and play that game. And, absolutely and win so. absolutely i keep saying this is sort of my new catchphrase now but um pickleball is all about time right if you if you think about when you're playing you either feel rushed or you feel calm you either feel like you've got lots of time or you feel like you've got no time but it's also when we hit the shots mm-hmm. like when you're hitting a shot, are you giving yourself time or are you taking away time? So when you hit a ball harder, you're taking yeah. away time for yourself to move, to react yeah. and to hit a good shot. Yeah. And to get to the kitchen. And to get to the kitchen. You hit a drop, for instance, rather than a drive. The mm. ball's in the air for longer. You've mm-hmm. got more time to think, to act and to get ready for whatever's coming back at you. So mm-hmm. it it's really simple things but it's, it's just needs to twig in someone's head and everyone it twigs at a slightly different point and with a slightly different method so some people need to see it some people need to just be told it yeah um some people need to to do it you know and almost be told off and then they understand the reasons why so yeah yeah there's you know and the, there's loads of fantastic players in the uk who who showcase those skills of creating time and using time. Um, so that's why, I, you know, I always encourage people to, to watch those higher level matches on YouTube mm-hmm. or even, you know, like the English open live stream we've just had, right. There's been some fantastic games on there um, and a really good showcase of, of all the different skills in pickleball. Um, and hopefully a, a little bit of commentary to, to help as well. Mm-hmm. 
very good self. <laughs> uh, I know. I mean, I love watching the, the those, those pro games, um, especially on the Sunday, the last day, the mixed. Um, well, absolutely awesome to to see. And uh, but yeah, in, in terms of like time, like Ben, just Ben Johns, like the way he moves, he's like the epitome of that. He's always he always seems to be ready for a shot, well in time. He's because his position on the court is so good. And I don't know if you saw it at the weekend at St Louis. He did like a he did a Ernie back to back Ernie's. So he did an Ernie from one side. The guy crossed court and he went and did the Ernie on the other side. And he still looked like he was in there in plenty of time yeah. to take both of those shots. Yeah, um, yeah. He has everybody else running around while he's just standing there, like tapping yeah. the ball back. And okay, it's slightly different because he's just in the right place at the right time. But again, it's court positioning and things like that as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, then from a from a coach's perspective, then. Um, well, I like right, let's say top top three things that okay, top three things that probably have a dramatic improvement on like a, a beginner's game. Putting you on the spot here. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, number one is, and it's sort of contradictory to a to what a lot of people think is a, is a simple motion when you swing, mm-hmm. right? So. People who come from table tennis will often use their elbow when they swing. People yeah. who come from badminton will often use their wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, people from squash will often hit the ball behind them. Yeah. People who come from tennis will often try and hit the ball too far out in front of them or mm-hmm. too far out to the side of them. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of transferable skills from, from racket sports, but pickleball is different. And I think, it first of all, it's important to understand that. Um, but what I mean by simple motion is... When we, when we teach like a dink, we, we teach what's called a pendulum swing. So swinging only from the shoulder. Yeah. And what that means is if nothing else is moving, nothing else can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. As soon as there's more things yeah. moving, more things go yeah. wrong. And it's harder to spot the one key thing that's going wrong. Mm-hmm. So the more simple your motion is, it's also transferable across a dink, a third shot drop. A drive and a serve right mm-hmm. they're sort of all born out of a similar shot yeah so having that simple motion just makes a world of difference and i'm not saying you know have a completely straight arm when you dink right and your your paddle ends up being an extent extension of your arm perfectly straight it's just you know your wrist can be cocked your elbow can be bent but just having that motion where you just swing from the shoulder mm-hmm makes so much difference um to dinking and to drops mainly as well so that would be number one mm-hmm. uh number two is one that not many people are aware of and it's grip pressure yeah yeah so we talk about you know the grip you have on the paddle um but not we don't talk often about how tight you hold the paddle um so if you're listening and you have a pickable paddle nearby, um, just hold it quite loosely in the handle and then all of a sudden really tense up the grip. And there's a very subtle change in that the paddle just slightly tips mm-hmm. further forward and your whole arm tenses up as a result. Um, so it's often the sort of unexplained cause of, of mistakes is, you know, people come in, especially from tennis, mm-hmm. and they're holding the the handle as as tight as they possibly can and it just 
again, makes a world of difference when they realize that you can hold it tight for the serve and for a smash, but for the softer shots, you you know, the nature of it is you, you want to go a bit softer. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say the third thing is quite a, a basic thing in a way, but it's getting to the kitchen. Yeah. Right. So, so many beginner players, even intermediate and even advanced players will return the serve and then sort of get maybe halfway Mm -hmm. before the ball comes back. Mm -hmm. Um, And it leaves them so open to everything. Yeah. Right. You know, you're, you're really vulnerable in that, in that position Mm -hmm. off the return. So one of the things I do in, in my coaching sessions is if someone's not getting up to the line, I will stand behind them and they'll hit the return and I'll sort of poke them in the back with my paddle and just start <laughs> just start shouting run at them. You know, and there's, there's a really handy little uh, phrase that I use in my leaders courses, which is serve and stay, return and run. Uh-huh. And it's often those positional aspects. Mm-hmm. You get the returners not making it all the way to the kitchen. Yeah. And you also get the servers who serve and then step in a couple of steps yeah. as well. Yeah. And they're two of the most easy things to rectify mm-hmm. that make, again, probably out of those three things, the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you can be in the right position already when you play a shot, you're at so much more of an advantage than if you're not in the right position and as a consequence you're moving to get to your yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those would be my, my top three. Yeah, no, that's good. I think the second one definitely made a difference for me when I started thinking about that and how, and the way the coach described it, I was uh, talking to is like, a, you know, gripping it as hard as you can is a 10, almost falling out of your hand is a zero. And it's like, you want it to be around three. Kind of. yep. Is that fair to say? And that, yeah, that really makes a difference because, I play tennis and squash and hold the bracket really hard and mm-hmm. um yeah and suddenly yeah suddenly the ball in the soft game you can yeah it's much much easier um the other one for me i don't wouldn't say it was a top three the other one that's, that helped for me was just an understanding of keeping people at the back of the court if they're already at the back of the court yeah like i was once you start learning the soft game you, you take the temptation is to just drop the ball over the net every yes. now and then yeah quite often people can get to it and then you brought them right to the front and really you want to keep them right at the yep. back and so i think i definitely noticed uh win a few more points by just keeping people pressed back for sure that kind of made it that, that, make, that yeah. made quite a difference um okay so coaching is something you're you're looking at so what's okay so right now you're spending a lot of time helping clubs yes um, but what's what's the what's the longer term goal for for the, for the coaching that you're doing so it, the, the good thing is it can sort of follow a few different paths. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love for, for SB to sort of be the go-to, you know, coaching brand in the UK. And I have a sort of a roster of coaches that I'm working with and they can go out and about. Um, but also, and this is the good thing about pickleball is we sort of never know what's around the corner. Um, mm-hmm there might also be a you know a massive dedicated pickleball facility that's built and they need 
a head coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's, it's sort of difficult to say, um, I'm, I'm starting to work with some more brands now as well through the coaching. So it's not just, you know, walking into a club, talking and, and doing coaching for an hour and then disappearing. Um, I tried to be a lot more involved mm-hmm. with the players and the clubs than that. Um, whether that's, you know, helping them with, with decisions they're making or referring them on to, to other people. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a multitude of directions in which, in which the coaching side of it can go. Um, one of the most exciting things coming up from for me but also for pickleball england is um we'll soon be launching the pickleball england level one nice coaching qualification nice um so at the moment we deliver iptpa Mm -hmm. workshops which is an american not-for-profit um set up to to really educate people who want to be coaches Mm -hmm. um it was the first first proper coach education body in pickleball um, and it's the only international one as well. Uh, but, you know, with Pickleball England, we've sort of made a, a strategic decision that we, we should have our own. So um, we've done some, you know, we've taken some of the content from the IPTPA. We've made some adaptations. We've put in some some other bits and bobs that, you know, we think is important. Um, and hopefully that will help us to, to breed a, a great, you know, new crop of, of enthusiastic coaches who want to go out there and help players improve. Um, maybe, you know, working in tennis clubs or in David Lloyd clubs and really, you know, pen- start penetrating some other, some other markets with, with coaching as well. So there's a whole host of, of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, I, you know, I, I think it's a, a great time to be involved with, with pickleball. Yeah. What do you think are the, 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 the biggest benefits to having, uh, you know, a, a, a British or English uh, qualification? There's a few. I, I think the, the number one factor is going to be cost. Right. Um, you know, it, it's not unheard of that these, these courses can be really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, even in, you know, the UK, some, some of the... The most established sports in the UK are often the most expensive courses to get on. Um, but the, you know, Pickleball England's commitment to to grassroots pickleball and growing pickleball, I think we'll, we'll see it um, priced really, really competitively, mm-hmm. which we're hoping will reduce some, you know, barriers to entry with, with coaching and, and getting into pickleball. Uh, but also... Um, you know, I'm sure you're aware, but some of the, the listeners might not be at the moment. Pickleball England is going through the Sport England recognition process and it will, not that I'm in with Sport England, but I can't think it won't help, mm-hmm. you know, showing them how committed as a, as a body Pickleball England is to, yeah. to making improvements and for generating its own materials and its own resources so you know there'll there'll be a a multitude of benefits but 
ultimately it's one of the key ways in which pickleball england is going to help to to grow pickleball out in the community mm -hmm. um so i'm i'm really excited to you know to get it going and and hopefully it's it's a success and it's well received excellent yeah that sounds great okay so um I'd like to go on to Pickleball England in a minute and talk a little bit about more about because you've spent some time in a director's role uh, there. But just in terms of, before we go on to that, some, in terms of, you know, what, is there any other things that you'd like to share about what you're doing now that you've decided to dedicate yourself full time to, to Pickleball? Yeah, I mean, there's, like I've said, you know, the, the good thing about Pickleball is, is there's so many different opportunities. Um, so, for probably for 2024 which sounds a long way away but when you you're planning these things you have to plan so far in advance it's four months away now yeah so. um so we will be doing some pickable holidays mm -hmm. um so stay tuned for that some recreational ones but also some you know sort of more hardcore coaching ones as well so nice. okay it's in the uk Oh, abroad okay. abroad maybe some in the uk um there's a couple of nice places that i've that i've looked at in the uk but um you know i'm, I'm sure people love receiving coaching in in sports halls at schools but mm -hmm. i think probably at dedicated courts in the mediterranean yeah, has that a little point. bit more curve appeal i think yeah. um so keeping out for holidays um, also, and this is a continuing thing is, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more, is uh, my company, SB Pickleball, has a team in the Premier Pickleball League, uh -huh. um, which is the the UK's first professional league um, established this year, but is, you know, growing strong and, and Ed is doing some really good things um, with that, trying to you know, not just cater for the the higher level players in the UK, but also we're looking at putting on festivals, mm -hmm. you know, side by side with these league fixtures so that we can provide a space for amateur players to play mm -hmm. and also for the higher level players to play. Um, and I think there's a, there's a nice amount of, you know, cross-pollination yeah. there. So... Yeah, we're doing a lot of work with Ed at the moment to sort of see where we can take that. Tell us a little bit more about that then, about how it's structured um, sure. as a tournament and, yeah, how it's run. So, um, original idea, credit goes to Ed Hares. Um, he'll love me for saying that. <laughs> I hope he does anyway. Um, so, the, the idea basically was to to find a way to get all of the, the better players in the country in one place at one time. Um, and sort of normal tournament formats are, are nice and we all enjoy them. But having seen the rise of Major League Pickleball, um, I think it's got everyone wanting to be involved in Major League Pickleball somehow, mm -hmm. whether it's a spectator who's there, a spectator from your sofa or yeah. as a player of some sort. So really the 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 view is to to replicate that. Um so the name 
Premier League Pickleball. It was originally called Premier League Pickleball, um, but changed it to the Premier Pickleball League. So PPL for short. Mm-hmm. So we have six teams. Uh, six teams, this is going to test my memory, but the six teams are <laughs> SB Pickleball, uh-huh. Team Pickle Play, uh-huh. which is an app you can use to find courts and yep. find players in the area. Uh, team Racket, mm-hmm. R-A-Q-T, which mm-hmm. is a sort of a tournament software, uh, an app as well. We've got Team uh, Pickable Store, which is uh, one of the pickable shops mm-hmm. in the UK. Mm-hmm. We've got, this is where it gets tricky. We've got Team Scan, who is a scanner, a big sponsor, obviously, of of pickleball yeah. in England. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Nisha Raja, who is one of the owners of Scan. And then we've got Team Advanced Pickleball. Well done. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> it just came to me last minute. Um, so Advanced Pickleball is a, another coaching business um, by Rob Williams, mm-hmm. who's, um, again, doing a great job of, of growing pickleball. So we have six teams. They've each got three men and three women. Um okay. So the, the captains were sort of pre-selected by Ed and a couple of other people who he was working with, Louis Laville, Molly Kubrick-Finney. Um, and they selected um, basically six top men and six top women. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three top men and the three top women are the captains mm-hmm. and the th- next three men and the next three women are the vice captains. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the snake draft happened like MLP where the teams had to pick a further two men and two women and that's basically then their team for the year so the first fixture was in June in Basingstoke funnily enough just down the road from there Um, and we went to Norwich just before the English Open Uh and then the next one coming up is Woking the end of August, mm-hmm. Peterborough in December, uh, TBD place in uh, February, and then uh, finishing at Roehampton in April. Okay. Um, and the idea, like I said, to, to get all the best players in one place, but also to start the ball rolling on what professional pickleball might look like outside of the US. So mm-hmm. there's some prize money up for grabs. Um from the sponsors that from help? the sponsors yeah. yeah so I also should have mentioned Franklin are the title sponsor okay. of the Premier Pickleball League so um, they provided some some prize money for us to win mm-hmm. um, at the moment if you look at the league tables it doesn't look very good for, for Team SB Pickleball um, <laughs> <laughs> I did look at the league for one table, reason actually. or another uh, uh, yeah, yeah a bit of a negative uh, game difference going on there uh-huh. And bottom of the league for those of you who haven't seen it. But um, the the good thing is, this this is only an excuse for having lost badly mm-hmm. last time out. Is all six teams play on the final day, so there's no formal, you know, top four go through sort of thing. Right. We will definitely play on the last day, mm-hmm. regardless of the not very good result we had last is, time out. Is that just another league game though? Or is that... It's It would be like a, a knockout bracket. Okay. So number one and number two will get buys and then 
three number three will play six and number yeah. four will play five okay sort of in a, a quarter final match if you like okay so how you perform throughout the year affects your draw affects yeah your if you come number one or two then yeah. you play one less game mm-hmm. but the the good thing about the league is and we've seen it already is pretty much any team can beat any other team on any given day yeah. like it's not set in stone that this team is definitely going to win mm-hmm. um and then you know in the first round of fixtures every team won one match and every team lost one match right so um it showed how sort of evenly the the teams had been drafted mm-hmm. uh, but it's yeah it's it's really exciting to to be a part of it um you know i said to you before being involved in the the initial growth of a sport i sort of consider a bit of a privilege so to to do the coaching side to do the event side but also to to be involved in what could be the start of you know professional pickleball mm. in the uk and europe yeah, is definitely. is a pretty cool thing to be a part of so yeah we'll we'll see what happens um but if you would like to come along to the next one because mm-hmm. i know a, a lot of people live around uh this west london area there's lots of pickleballers around there um the next one is in woking mm-hmm. david lloyd woking on sunday the 27th of august so if you find yourself free on that day it's a bank holiday weekend as well so you get an extra day off uh, yeah. then yeah feel free to come down that's 10 days from recording i better get this out before they uh, yeah before then no pressure <laughs> yeah so 27th of august so there are you able to get into the david lloyd and watch without membership and that kind of stuff to be honest with you, I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> but if you would like to know, the best way to go about it is probably finding a way to contact Ed Hares. Um, there's an Instagram and Facebook account for Premier Pickleball League. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, you can contact me because my email address is plastered all over the internet now, <laughs> thanks to Pickleball. Um, and I'll find the answer to your question. Cool. I'll put the links to those social accounts and that as well in the description. So perfect. You can check them out there. Okay. Um, yeah, that's really exciting because obviously um, that's the next step in the art. The tours are great, but the Major League Pickleball in particular is a fantastic spectacle to watch in the US. And uh, the team game is definitely creates a lot more buzz and it's a lot more exciting to watch. Um, 100%. So I love it. Um, oh, so that's great. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, this is the first year. I mean, it's only a few months old, right? So yes. is there any, um, yet yeah, any plans or ideas about what would happen beyond the first year, like expansion of the league, a bit like Major League Pickleball, promotion, relegation, sure. all of that kind of stuff? Is there any yeah. conversation about that? Yet? I mean, if we could get the billionaires investing, that would be a pretty good start. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Um, you know, I've, I've spoken to Ed quite a bit about what we can do to to sort of develop it a bit further. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say to to add in more teams just yet. I think you know, from a from an overall perspective, we we need to make sure that as a as a playing group, we're not just plateauing at a certain level and, and getting comfortable because 
there's this new league and we can win money from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there should always be that, you know, incentive to to work harder, to get better, to drill more. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've suggested, and you can lobby with me if you like, is <laughs> um, for a parallel 50 plus league mm-hmm. to run alongside the mm-hmm. nine at the moment it's 19 plus um because you know there's some fantastic players who are over 50 mm-hmm. and some of them are playing in the in the current premier pickleball league and they do a fantastic job of you know dealing with Deep. all sorts of ages and <laughs> you know power that's coming at them yeah um but actually, I think it's important to showcase pickleball as a multi-generational sport. And I, so I would like there to be a, a parallel 50 plus. So the MLP do something league as well. Like yeah, there's a, there's a separate organization called the, the National Pickleball League, which is designed for the senior pros. At the MLP events, don't they have senior? The, they oh, don't. No, maybe I'm thinking the PPA and that they have yeah. senior. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's MLP for the sort of nineteen plus category if you like, mm-hmm. and then there's a a separate league called the National Pickleball League in in the states, which is which caters to the senior pros. Okay. Yeah. So that that's what I'd like to see. And uh, Ed and I have spoken about again running parallel festivals with these uh, fixtures to to get people in to see what it's about, but also to provide a space for them to play mm-hmm. as well um, and give them a an amazing experience of, you know, there's loads of festivals in the country at the moment, mm-hmm. but there's not many festivals that you can go and then watch the best players in the country, no. you know, fighting against each other. And it does get a bit... Um, you know, there's a lot of banter that goes on. It's it's quite chirpy. So yeah. uh, certain people, I won't name names, but <laughs> they know who they are. Um, so it's, you know, it's a fantastic thing to watch. And you feel, even though, you know, we're not the same level players as MLP, you, you feel that same pressure. Mm-hmm. And just the the difference it makes you know in a tournament everyone's quite polite normally and you know people clap from the sidelines if you know you hit a good shot or you have a a great rally Mm -hmm. and in this you often find the players on the sidelines are are very vocal after every rally you know regardless of what happens you hit a serve out some comment is coming towards you you know so um it's it's a really different environment, but it's one I think especially British people enjoy quite a lot because there's there's loads of sarcasm yeah. flying around yeah. and loads of banter flying around. So um, it's a really good one to watch. So yeah, talking about watching. So you, um, the, if you can't attend the event, there is a stream, right? You mentioned yes. So uh, it's streamed through Racket, which is one of the team sponsors. Mm-hmm. So there's an app. Uh, you can download it's called the racket app so mm-hmm. racket is spelled r-a-q-t mm-hmm. um, and you download that and then when the event is on the live stream appears 
mm-hmm. similar to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, you just click on it and you watch it from there. Because <clears throat> I think that's good for being able to, like, yeah, to making it more accessible for people around the country to watch it. I mean, something that just occurred to me, I think one of the, the things that um, MLP did, and I think it was almost by accident, um, I, I, think, I don't know if it was the Pioneers, but one of the teams decided to name it after a city. Um, yes. And then all the others followed suit. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, if I'm going to support a team, you know, in this new Premier Pickleball League, like at the moment, am I going to support Team Scan or am I going to support sure, Tom? Sure, you sure. Know, and I, how can I get my affiliation behind that? When location kind of naturally kind of gives you that, right? I'm going to follow my, my, my local team yeah. or whatever. I mean, first of all, you should be following my team. <laughs> I am, I am. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> you got to be. You can't be a fair weather supporter though if you uh, if you're following Team SB at the moment. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how we how do we get you know at some point if we want it to be a sport where people with passionate fans. Yes. Then um, I'm not saying that's the only way. No, but, I, I, I agree with you. At the moment, it's quite personality driven. Mm-hmm. So you're you know you see someone you like or you see someone you know and you sort of migrate towards their team which is really the strategy behind putting the festivals mm-hmm. in for me at the premier pickleball league events because if i've got 100 people there who are all part of m- my festival yeah then i can very easily influence them <laughs> to also be my fans Start selling the merch. you know get the t-shirts out there <laughs> you know light blue will, will just dominate <laughs> Um, but no, on, on a, on a more serious note, you know, that there was an investor in MLP who, who sort of said, you know, I'm, I want to buy a team, but I also want it to be affiliated to, I think it was Florida smash. Was it? Okay. They wanted it to say Florida or something to link it back to, to where they were from. And I think that sort of sparked the idea and they realized it was a good idea. Yeah. The only difficulty they've got is it's fairly inconsistent at the moment. So some of them are states, so mm. Florida Smash or yeah. Texas Ranchers. Yeah. Some of them Seattle are Seattle Pioneers, which is yeah. a city. Some of them are cities. Yeah. Some of them are, are areas. So like the Bay Area Breakers, mm-hmm. Bay Area, you know, area yeah. of San Francisco. Well, the Hard Eights haven't even got anything. Yeah. So, it, oh, it, I suppose they have. Cause so, cow. Yeah, but yeah, there's it. It sort of needs that consistency. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, it's something the Australian Pro League have done. Mm-hmm. They've picked their four major cities: Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Brisbane, and the capital. Was it Canberra? Canberra. Yeah. It's another city yeah. in Australia. Oh, it's the north one at the north. Yeah, but they've. Or Adelaide, oh, or Perth. Oh, it could be, it yeah. could be any of them. <laughs> Sorry to the Australian Pro League. Um, Showing like an Australian number. Yeah, that's what they've done, like straight off their launch. Yeah. And I think it's really helped in, like you said, giving people a reason to support the event and also support a certain team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then they've got both because Australia is a bit like the UK in with pickleball. You know, a lot of people know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So. They can support their, you know, their local personalities and the people they know, who also happen to be in the team where their city is represented in the name. Yeah, I think so. I mean, at the same time, I think there's a lot of pickleball players that won't know, you know, many of the 
the people or the pros or what you know or play with them or ever seen them so i think there'll be a lot of people that don't know a lot yep. of people i mean i definitely know at my club they, they probably haven't heard of louis or thadia most of the people sure um so you know and then yeah the top two so um okay um okay that sounds yeah i'm really excited about that um I'm, I'm pleased that's happened. That's kind of one thing. There's a few things I think, oh, why? You know, I've been in pickleball for like six months. I'm yeah. Like, why is that not happening yeah. yet? Why is that not happening yet? And it's great. That's one of those things I think I identify as saying, oh, why isn't that happening yet? Um, but in terms of your time at Pickleball England, then um, you had a director role there. Do you want to share a little bit about like what your responsibility was in, within that role? Yeah. So um, I, I still am in a way, um, <laughs> the, the West Midlands regional director. So, um, it, it's quite a long, there's, you know, elections and nomination processes and all of that. Um, but at the time Pickleball England was formed, there wasn't too much Pickleball going on in the West Midlands. Um, and as a result, no one put themselves forward to be the West Midlands regional director. So that's when Karen sort of, you know, phoned me and said, would you mind, you know, mm -hmm. putting your name forward? It would be good to get a full complement of board members straight away. So pretty much my role has been to, to foster the growth of pickleball in the West Midlands, whether that's taster sessions or supporting new clubs or, you know, just dropping in and seeing what's going on and if I can help um, and also being a person that people can contact always for questions, support, mm. um, to tell me their achievements that they want put on the Pickleball England Facebook page, you know, um, whatever it is in the West Midlands, if there's any good things and equally, you know, any issues then they sort of come to me. Um, now that I've got my own business, uh, you know, self-admittedly, I've, I've spent a lot less time on doing that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm trying as, as much as I can to, you know, help these new clubs start and get going with their marketing, with their equipment, with their venues. Um, because uh, a lot of the challenges people face in, in starting Pickleball is a challenge that's already been faced by everyone else who started Pickleball. So um, really that's the role. Um, if anybody is in the West Midlands who <laughs> is interested in, you know, continuing the development mm. um, and has a little bit more time than me, then I'm, I'm almost sat in the position, you know, and, it's it's good from a pickleball England perspective to have a another voice and someone that people can contact. But um, if you if you're interested in in terms of you know making a, a difference to pickleball and, and really growing pickleball, then um, again feel free to to contact me. But yeah, that was one of one of my roles, and the other main one was uh, being a tournament director. Mm -hmm. So. Like I said, myself and Karen did the, the first English Open in, in 2019. Um, that went really well. You know, there was a, a really high 
um, level of feedback that was that it was a, a successful event mm-hmm. and you know we wanted to make sure that that we asked people what they thought because if this was going to go any further we don't want to start on the wrong foot and then keep going down yeah you know the wrong way so um we had our own system developed by frank who is a one of the national directors for, for pickleball england um, he did a great job. You know, we still use that system now. It's and great, by the way. Yeah. You you can be a testament to its its usefulness and um, just how simple it is in a good way to ex- you know to get around it and mm-hmm. to to find out information. It, it makes life so easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we did the first one in two thousand nineteen. Went well. We had. 300 players at the University of Nottingham um, and then we were happy so we said you know, we'll do another one next year we were going to tie that in with the Bainbridge Cup which we spoke about earlier so we wanted to make sure we got everything sorted early so we did registration opened in December 2019 and then Covid happened so we weren't really sure what was happening. Um, so we we delayed a, a decision until May of 2020. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there were over 800 people registered. Like it was going to be one of the events ever. Yeah. Because the professional tours only started in 2019. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 hadn't had too much of a head start and the the English Open and Bainbridge Cup would have been, you know, p- potentially talking about it like it, you know, it, it would have been amazing, but it genuinely would have been amazing. Um, but, you know, universe has its ways. Um, so, yeah, we did COVID. That's not me crying, by the way. I have got a cold. Um <laughs> We had COVID and we were trying to explore an option for 2021. Mm-hmm. But at the point where we needed to make a, a go or no go decision, we weren't confident in uh, international travel returning to normal. So we did uh, the first nationals, English nationals event in 2021 in August mm-hmm. um, at the Bolton Arena, which for us was quite a, a landmark venue because it's a it's a high level uh, tennis venue. It you know it was used it's been used for for lots of different you know ITF events and LTA events. Mm-hmm. So um, a really good venue for us to secure. And to be honest, we didn't think we'd ever get into a tennis venue at that point because. It seemed and it felt like tennis hated pickleball. Um, and to an extent, it still does, but they seem to be a bit more recipro- reciprocating. Yeah. They seem to be reciprocating a bit more now. So, yes, receptive. There you go. <laughs> Long day. Um, so, yeah, so we delivered the Nationals in 2021. That had. 240 players but it also had 
you know, full COVID requirements of a test every day. And, mm. um, and luckily we, we came out the other side with, with no real impact of COVID, which was remarkable considering we then went into a, a winter lockdown mm-hmm. again that year. So we took the opportunity while we could. And then we said, you know, we'll do another one next year. So, and that was my last one was the 2022 English Open, which was last year. Um, again, we took over a, a tennis center, David Lloyd in Southampton, 18 courts, um, just under 500. We'll call it 500 because it mm-hmm. sounds better. Uh, 500 people. And yeah, we had the APP tour mm-hmm. over. We had professional players. Uh, it was the first real exposure uh, in Europe to professional pickleball mm-hmm. that had been developed. You know, there, there was something called pro pickleball back in 2017, but it looks nothing like it does today. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, first real exposure. Um, we were lucky enough to have, you know, Lee Whitwell, Michelle Escobar, Rob Cassidy, Daniel Roditti, Cassandra Gurky, and Irina Tereshenko. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, you know, really positive reviews. People seem to really enjoy it. Um, Unfortunately, that one had a bit more of a COVID impact because of a few irresponsible individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, people loved being back able to play pickleball. And the feeling is almost unmatched of you know, the amount of work that you do to set up these events. And then it's normally on the Thursday night Mm. or the Wednesday night where everyone's gone home, you know, that was helping and you're just left with this pristine venue. Yeah. And you just walk around and sort of go like, oh my God, like we put this together. Yeah, and tomorrow there's going to be 500 people mm-hmm. or this year it was a thousand right yeah. so kudos to Karen but you know 500 people playing in this in this tournament mm-hmm. um, and they've all paid you know it's not cheap to go to a tournament you've got to stay somewhere for yeah for two three four five nights you've got to pay the entry fees you've got food depends how uh, much you shop as well because there's there's vendors there so um yeah it was one of the most difficult things i've done that the 2022 open Mm -hmm. but also one of the best things yeah um i've ever done and um i really enjoyed it yeah really enjoyed it yeah and then uh i had to get a job so yeah (laughs) back to the real world um so, yeah, I couldn't commit to the Nationals last year, um, which was in October. And unfortunately, I, I think Karen sort of wished I, I had committed, but I, I couldn't commit to the, to the Open this year either. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't. I, I don't have the time, to be, yeah. to be brutally honest. And to be fair, Karen doesn't either, but she's in a position where she's... she's made time 
yeah. for it. Um, so yeah, those those are the two sort of main roles with Pickleball England yeah. um, that I had, and that you know, great fun, both of them, and it's a really weird feeling to to be somewhere right at the start of something that you can see is going to grow and you know is going to grow and then it does grow and yeah. you see the difference in four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the time that you've been in Pickleball, it's been ridiculous. Like, <laughs> you're genuinely there at the beginning, so... Yeah. Yeah, okay, so... Um, yeah, I think I'd, I think that's okay. I think we covered enough for, for Pickleball England there. I'd like to know a bit more about the... The, the internal workings of Pickleball England, I guess, but I don't know uh, what you could share in that respect or anything is interesting for the audience. Um, the, you know, there's there's loads of growth to be had in Pickleball England um, because there's loads of growth to be had in, in Pickleball. So, you know, over the next 12, 18, 24 months, I think we'll see a lot of changes. Um, at the moment, we're completely a volunteer organization. Mm-hmm. I think that will change. And, you know, there's there's so many opportunities to get involved within Pickleball England. You know, it, it's often people think it's, you know, it's quite a closed book or closed shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it, it would be you know, it's always very much welcomed when someone comes in and says, you know, I'm really good at social media, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to hand over the social media to me and, and I can, I can help you out there and do, do the Facebook and the Instagram for you. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's, there's loads of opportunities and there will be even more. Um, it's potentially Sport England recognition on its way, which will be a, a major, major um, win mm-hmm. as an organisation. It's taken a lot of time, longer than, way longer than we anticipated. But that will be a huge, yeah, huge outcome. What well, what will come out of that? Do you think? For us, I think it's it's a little bit more of a romantic idea that we've taken pickleball from nothing pretty much, you know, a sport people make fun out of because of its name. It's for old people, Mm -hmm. you know, really easy. Um, We've taken a sport from zero to recognized by the main body in England for sport. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that's that's going to be the biggest achievement mm-hmm. out of all of that is, you know, we all, so many of us have walked into a leisure centre and said, do you do pickleball? Or do you know if there's a pickleball club? Yeah. I go, pickleball? What's that? And to have the ability to say, well, actually, you know, I go, that's not sport. Well... <laughs> It's officially a recognised sport, right? Pickleball England is the official governing yeah. body. That yeah. I think that will be the overwhelming sense of, of feeling. Yeah. If and when that decision comes in, I think realistically, it provides 
way more avenues of funding on an organizational level but also on a on a club on an individual level um that will be the main difference um mm -hmm. you know there's there's lots of things to be learned from from sport england and i'm you know i'm sure that they're going to be really useful in mm -hmm. in the growth of pickleball you know they've they've overseen the growth of all the other sports in the country so um but yeah just i think more so the achievement that that pickleball will be recognized nationally will beat anything else i think yeah. i think that's the that's the biggest step and that was the only that's been the main aim for five years mm -hmm. so yeah for sure that'll be the biggest be biggest achievement for sure yes <laughs> After five for years. those of us that drink yes <laughs> yeah okay fantastic um okay there's some i guess last few questions like so moving on to like the future of pickleball i mean obviously we've seen huge growth in the usa uh, yep. australia are probably a little bit ahead of us but yes. in terms of Europe, we're probably the most furthest. Yeah, the, the, probably the most built out in terms of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, and probably the most players. We, I mean, I don't get too much information on, on how many players there are elsewhere. Um, there's, you know, there's good groups everywhere, but I think we're probably the most built out mm. um, in terms of Pickleball England, the club network yeah the coaching network yeah um and the players mm -hmm. so yeah okay so moving, moving forward do you expect to see you know do you expect the uk to replicate what we're what we've seen in the us um i mean obviously it's clearly rapid growth as well 450 ish people attended the open last year yeah 500 and then almost 1100 yep. this year so that's a double doubling straight there so in in one year i mean that's incredible i mean you need a bigger venue next year but uh yeah, good luck with that karen <laughs> <laughs> or more days as karen said i think she said yeah. that it'll have to be more days yeah. i think but um but yeah i mean obviously we want to see more people interested and excited and go into the open and but um yeah, in your in your view, like what what do you see for the next twelve, twenty four months in terms of football? It's the million dollar question, isn't it? And yeah. no one's better to answer that than you though. Oh well, this is this is the problem You've got is history. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we we were saying this earlier, right? The the disparity between the two thousand and twenty two English Open and the twenty three English Open I could never have foreseen. Mm -hmm. Um you know, the taking over an exhibi exhibition center, using all three halls, rolling out 40 courts on a perfect acrylic surface. Um, you know, I, I ran the tournament last year mm -hmm. and I could never have imagined it looking like that this year. So, um, you know, there's there's some pretty wild ideas in my head of of what you know the next 12 months looks like um or what it could look like but the, the honest answer is i've absolutely no idea yeah um i think 
we will see more investment in pickable venues. Um, I know that's something again we you know we've we've spoken about as one of your why isn't someone doing that yeah. point? Um, yeah. But we just saw today the first sort of pickable venue in in Telford has is opening in a in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. which will be good, and that will hopefully kickstart something. Um, so I think we'll see more investment in that. I think on a on a less positive note, I think we'll see a struggle for venues um, in terms of getting into leisure centres, sports mm-hmm. halls. It's already difficult enough as it is, um, and and it seems like every year there's more and more people playing sport in general, whether it's tennis, badminton. You know, okay. if you look at the reported statistics, all the numbers go up all the time. Okay. Um, so I think that's potentially a, a challenge. There just won't be enough leisure centres to accommodate. Yeah, sports, not with the right times. I think okay. you know, there's peak times that that we want, and if we want the the age demographic to keep shifting, mm. you need those evening slots. And in some places, they're just like gold dust. Yeah. Um, you know, they've <clears throat> there's you know there might have been a karate club going on for for 15 years in that same slot you know so it's it can be quite difficult to get in and i think that's probably one of the biggest challenges we'll have um even more reason for more dedicated spaces, exactly i suppose exactly that's, that could be another driver for it yes and so i do yeah i do think we'll see a lot of investment <clears throat> in venues um i think we'll see some more partnerships from pickleball england that will hopefully benefit the the wider community um, God knows what we'll see at the English Open next year, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already excited for it, but, yeah. you know, it, I dread to think the organisation behind it. Um, and, yeah, I, I think we'll see a lot more tennis clubs putting in, either implementing pickleball or putting in pickleball mm-hmm. courts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's started to be the trend this year in the UK. Yes. Okay. Um, where have you seen that in a few places? Um, we've got Hoddesdon in Hertfordshire. Yeah, I know. Saw Bridgeworth mm-hmm. in Essex or Hertfordshire. One of the two, um, Macclesfield, they've put in courts. We've got, there's one in, uh, Lowest Toft, I think, that's put okay. in court. So, Imbercourt in southwest London. So, it, Windlesham in Surrey. Mm-hmm. See, now they're just going to keep coming to me now. Yeah. Um, My assumption was that you know, tennis don't like pickleball, so they're not going to do that kind of stuff. But Grantham Tennis Club. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, ultimately they're starting to see it as another opportunity for revenue. Yeah. Which it is. And it's a great one. Yeah. Because the cost. Most tennis clubs have the spare capacity mm. to convert or to make mm. tennis court dual use, or they've got a very much unused and almost derelict court. You know, a lot of a lot of clubs have junior or like mini red courts that aren't used. So I think we'll see a lot of them translating into pickleball in some capacity. Yeah. There's challenges that come with that and, you know, 
uh, I think it's important for the the tennis community to understand that pickleball is a different sport. It's not just a it's the same as paddle, right? It's not just a a sub category of tennis. Mm-hmm. It's its own individual sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the same need for for coaching, but specific coaching. Mm-hmm. Same need for uh, venues, but specific venues. So um, yeah, those are things I'm foreseeing. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was the complete opposite of all of that because it's so unpredictable. It makes sense. It totally makes sense. I think even just talking to some of the vendors that were at the the, uh, the English Open, um, I think their eyes were opened. Massive. I'm talking about like Franklin and yeah, uh, you know, ProXR and the people there like that. They. They, yeah, I think they thought, wow, actually it's starting to, it, it's really taken off here and things are going to happen. So I think they've seen, and I think with, I think everyone's going to see that in some capacity yeah. and, and everyone's going to contribute to the building out that infrastructure yes. that's needed. It's going to, it feels, uh, being in only six months is hard for me to like com- make comparisons. Yeah. But even I felt. Just wait another six months. Yeah. I felt the excitement among people going, wow, this is something's happening here and I could, I could sense that even being my first tournament that I attended, sure. tournament, I could sense that sure. feeling. I think for me, um, I love, I love the English open. I'm not, I'm not I think I, I, it sounds cheesy, but I think it's going to stay in my memory for a long time. Something I'm going to think about and remember for a long time. It's my first tournament. First time I've competed like, in a racket sport competition at all. Yep. And, but just, um, just those 40 courts all laid out. The competition was fun. It was organised well. Having the pros there, so much about it was good. And um, yeah, didn't really want to leave. I was there till last yeah. minute on Sunday. Yeah, I was there till ten on Sunday, and and then eventually went home. But um, yeah, it was fantastic. But here's a question for you. I don't know. Loads of people um, avoid playing tournaments, right? Because they, you know, they enjoy playing pickleball and they, they're not, they don't necessarily want to compete, but they don't not want to compete. Mm-hmm. But I think the word tournament puts a lot of people off. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just said you, you've never played a racket sports tournament before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess twofold really. Were you intimidated and then post? tournament how did those feelings either you know change or you know was it was it exactly what you were expecting um i I applied for the tour i registered for the tournament i'd been playing pickleball for three weeks at that time and i was just so excited about playing it and i just wanted to be there and be part of it Mm -hmm. i I figured and so just early early on i just said i'm going to do it i don't think i had I'm not. I was nervous at the time. Twi- at the time of turning up on the court for the first time, actually every time I played, but normally the first one, the first one of the day, like the first time I played doubles, it's like well, when I played singles, it was just me I could let down. Now it's got, yeah. now I've got a partner who I don't really know yeah. um, to let down as well. So I think I was a bit, um, but I was. Ne- 
I think maybe maybe you're right. Some people are, but I was just excited about the whole thing. And then when I saw it unfolding, when okay, they're going to get the pickable United courts, and they and I was like, wow, this is going to be it's going to be awesome because you know that's something I I wanted is like I want to play on a proper pickable court with no yeah. other lines on yeah. it and not in a gymnasium. I done the festival at Southampton and got a flavour of being on an outdoor court with X forty balls and mm-hmm. and that was just it's just a different game. We were speaking about it before we got there. It was all it's just different it's a different game when you're playing with outdoor balls and um but no i i i didn't um i wasn't nervous really apart from when i stepped onto the court for the first few times and and it wasn't intimidating at all i think some people there will take it more seriously than others and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get that um but i think no i think it was just i think it probably it probably will change over time with pickleball at the moment everyone's pretty generally generally pretty friendly right and it is a friendly welcoming atmosphere mm-hmm. i guess as more money comes into the sport and prize money and things like that i think naturally that's going to slide a little bit but just the way the sport is and the fact that we're all so close to each other on the court and it is just a more friendly um, thing but now i after the event i just wanted to do it again i didn't want to leave like i say so i just wanted to carry wanted it to carry on so i i had a great experience overall for me good Okay, um, I think it's well an hour and twenty minutes now, so I think we'll wrap it up there. But is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap oh, it up? Put me on the spot again. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Other than I do want you to create a you know a little tradition on your podcast, so you'll have to have me back on. <laughs> when you think about what it is what the tradition is okay yeah. well i'm gonna do it i'm gonna pickable pop quiz or <laughs> that's my favorite okay well Stephen bartlett style we'll, we'll go with that for now anyway then okay um for and you've got had no time to prepare it so you put you, you put yourself in it here yes but um so you're going to ask a question for the next guest and you don't know who the next guest is going to be okay and then i'll pose it to them okay i would ask That is on the spot. <laughs> I don't want it to be too deep. <laughs> um, I would ask, what is the one thing you would change about pickleball? Oh, wow. At the moment. It can be in any facet. So the rules, the, mm-hmm. the UK, the world, mm-hmm. your job, you know. what? But the only the only caveat is you can't say... I would change it so that I work in pickleball. Okay. You've got to actually make a change. Okay. So, yeah. All right. What's the one change you would make about pickleball? All right. That sounds good. I'll yeah. ask the next person. Um, okay. So last but not least then, so if people want to find you, mm-hmm. what's the best way they can go about doing that? So at the moment, um, my Facebook and my Instagram are fairly active. So my Facebook is just my, my personal page. So Sam Basford. And my Instagram is Sam Basford Pickleball. Website will be coming soon, which is www.sbpickleball.co.uk. Um, and otherwise, pretty much you can just search my name into Google and you'll find a whole host of things and ways to, to get in touch. So, yeah, just don't go giving those phone numbers and email addresses. <laughs> to other people but yeah they're they're all readily available on the internet in some form excellent 
All right. Well, thanks for coming on the Pickleball Addiction podcast, Sam. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. Pleasure. Pleasure.